Welcome to the Husk Guys Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It is November 14th. We played 10 weeks of football. We got two weeks left. We got Wisconsin coming up. We got Iowa coming up. And we got a special guest tonight. Big Ten Ben is with us. We are pumped to have Big Ten Ben because we need to make sense of the Big Ten West. It is an absolute dumpster fire. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It is a complete mess. And there's nobody better to make sense of it than Big Ten Ben. Before we jump in to Big Ten Ben, a little note from our sponsors, Land and Lore. Thanks to Land and Lore for being a sponsor of the Pod Men's Natural Skincare Product Line from the heart of the nation, Omaha, Nebraska, or somewhere where Big Ten Ben has been. He has lived. He has been there. He knows what it's all about. Use code Land. Or excuse me, use code Huskies10, get 10% off land and lore. Uh, second promotional sponsor from Pipeline Jerky. Ben is also an advocate of Pipeline Jerky. Buy a bag of jerky directly supporting the Huskers offensive line. And then the Huskies store, go to huskiesstore.com. If we die, we die. That's what we're going for. We got all the good stuff. Uh, we got the hats, we got shirts. Bring my microphone over here. Uh, and without further ado, Big 10 Ben, welcome to the Huskies podcast. Thanks for joining us. It is incredible to be here. As we said before we even started recording, you hit that red button. We have been friends online for many years. You guys have been a great supporter of me and all of my outlandish Nebraska takes and running into the great Cornhuskers out in the streets of New York City. And I have appreciated the support. I've, I've appreciated the interactions. It is great to be here to talk some Big Ten football, to talk Nebraska trying to get bowl eligible in the final two weeks of 2023. Can't beat it. All right, before so for the folks who don't know you, we're huge fans of your work. I, I love how you cover the entire Big Ten. I love how you jump in and out of the Huskers, but you're also wildly entertaining. You do stuff on the street. You do stuff on the streets of New York. You're, you've got the microphone all around. Tell, give the Husker fans like a little glimpse into how you became Big Ten Ben. Your background and include obviously your stop in Nebraska too. So that is really how Big Ten Ben was formed. I always say that I grew up and I learned everything I need to know about college athletics from my time at Omaha, Nebraska. I went to Syracuse. I'm originally from California, so I went from the West Coast to the East Coast. But my first job out of college was at Channel 3, the CBS affiliate, KMTV, 3 News Now, in Omaha, Nebraska. So I was there for two years from August 2016 until August 2018. My sports director, Adam Kruger, is still there. He went to Nebraska. He's a huge fan of UNL. He got me up to date on everything that I needed to know, history, perspective, all that goes into truly being a part of Husker Nation. So it was interesting for me because most of my experience with Nebraska was Taylor Martinez and seeing them in the Big 12 and Indomitian Sioux and all of that stuff. I didn't really yeah. understand the perspective of the glory years of the Cornhuskers in the 80s and the 90s under Tom Osborne. So that was the historical perspective that I think you really need to truly appreciate to understand where Nebraska fandom comes from and where the expectation and the love for that football program and university comes from. I would tell everybody that I had ever met that being in that sports market on a Saturday during the fall, being inside Memorial Stadium in Lincoln with 92,000 around you is a religious experience. We would lead the Saturday newscast. It wasn't like, hey, welcome in. Here's the news you need. It was, hey, welcome in. Ben, what was the Husker score? What were the highlights from the Nebraska game against insert Big Ten opponent here? I would honestly say, and maybe this is slightly off color, that unless there was a catastrophe in the state of Nebraska <laughs> from as far east as the Omaha border alongside Iowa to as far west as the Colorado border, Nebraska football is the biggest thing by a very, very big margin 
pretty much each and every day, but of course amplified on fall Saturdays. Yeah, it's it's I love that. It's it's great to hear from an outsider who comes in and experiences it too. Cause I think, you know, Andrew and I, so we grew up in the 90s, we experienced the 90s success, but then there's there is this just insatiable appetite. And it's one of the reasons we've, you know, been successful with us guys, that's why we're doing the podcast too, is there's just never enough. Like I, we listen to dozens of podcasts already. We already like, there's already a ton of stuff that exists where we're like, all right, this isn't enough. I need more. I need more yeah. stuff. I need more news. I need more <laughs> insight. I need, I need to talk about it more. And so, yeah, you, you saw it firsthand. I mean, it's, it's it. That's it. it it's no doubt about it. It is. And it's everything about it. Like, I mean, even going to, you know, press conferences during spring ball as you learn about the recruiting class that's coming in and when everybody converges on Memorial Stadium or everybody converges on whatever practice or media availability there is, you can see the fervor for it. I think you can be cynical, certainly from the outside perspective at times. I'm like, why are we optimistic once again that Mike Riley is going to turn this around and lead a double-digit win season? But that's the beauty of fandom in general. That's the beauty of the Nebraska Cornhuskers fan base on top of it, right? That's the beauty of GBR. It's why you can walk by, by people and say GBR and you get that incredibly enthusiastic and emphatic response. It's the, you know, the disappointment of the year coming to a close. But by the time you get to April and May, it's all right. We're going nine and three, 10 and two this year, and we're going to win the Big Ten West. It's the beauty of it all. And it's why it means so much. And that's why I yeah, find the passion. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you, a couple additional games. Who knows? Man, Don't count us out just, yet. Hey, hey, hey. Forget about the last two. Those are behind us. Have you, do, now that you're outside of Nebraska and you're covering the broader network or the broader like Big Ten, Mm -hmm. um do you have a perspective on like is everybody like this i mean we i don't know we don't know it's like is are there other fan bases that are very similar on the same level like now that you've covered a variety i think so i think the neighbors to the east in iowa have a passion that nebraska fans feel as well there's something beautiful about certain big 10 markets for sure not having that large professional sports team and that scale as well like nebraska like Iowa, a lot of the other states do. But even Madison is a little bit different than a Milwaukee or a Green Bay. But the entire state of Wisconsin kind of all bleeds the Badgers. You know, Minnesota has their pro teams, but there's a difference to it. I think Big Ten West fans feel a certain passion to their schools as opposed to the Big Ten East. The Big Ten East is too used to being excellent and elite and excelling at what they do when you have the schools like Michigan, like we're seeing now, Ohio State, Penn State. It's a different kind of fandom. It's a different different type of fervor. Still very passionate fan bases, but there's something about the Big Ten West and the beauty of that division within the conference that there's a certain appreciation, I think, for when times are good and understanding why times are bad. But yeah, I mean, listen, there's there's nothing like Nebraska fandom. There truly isn't. And there's nothing like I've ever experienced being among any other college fan base, Big Ten or otherwise, that is truly like the Huskers. Can we let's talk about the Big Ten West? Can we talk about the Big Ten West? Please. Please. So it's November 14th. There is currently a five-way tie <laughs> for second place of the Big Ten West. Nebraska, no Minnesota. Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Illinois are all three and four yeah, in the is. conference. Yeah. And keep your head might, might I add, if Iowa loses to Illinois and Nebraska beats Wisconsin, Nebraska is playing for the Big Ten West title. So, Ben, let me put you on the spot. Who do you think is going to win the Big Ten West, and why do you think it's going to be Nebraska? 
I mean, listen, on the Huskies podcast, what else can I say except Nebraska has a chance, right? Before they get to Iowa, though, they have to beat a Wisconsin team. They have not since joining the Big Ten. But, hey, there was always this year. Listen, Wisconsin's abysmal right now. I don't think Nebraska should be the underdog. I think I saw the spread today as I was starting to do some research for week number 12. Wisconsin's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I know the game is in Camp Randall. But Wisconsin shouldn't be laying a touchdown to anybody at this yeah. juncture. Yeah. And maybe some of that pressure off Nebraska, unlike the last two weeks when they were slightly expected to win a football game, even though they ended as the slight underdog against Maryland, maybe that helps Matt Rule and company into that game in Camp Randall against the Badgers. I think Luke Fickle's going to figure it out, by the way, in Madison. But right now, things are very, very dire for that Wisconsin football program. So I am hoping selfishly that maybe we get to that Black Friday game and the Heroes Trophy game, and it's for all the marbles in the Big Ten West. How beautiful would it be a virtual playoff for the Big Ten West Uh, in the final weekend this division exists? The swan song of the Big Ten West is, I think, the most beautiful thing you could ever see. Pure mediocrity across the board. (laughs) It's the worst offense. No idea. Everybody. That's the thing that's crazy is with all of the Iowa offensive struggles and the jokes that Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz has wel- have welcomed, and frankly, I've made the same, I was the only team in conference play in the Big Ten West Division that has a positive point differential. Crazy. The only issue is was, uh, <laughs> Iowa's the only team that hasn't scored at least 115 points in conference play as well. That's the beauty of the Big Ten West. You just look at the <laughs> records, you look at the standings, it's all there in front of you. Now, are you – so you're the hosting sports grid now. Yeah. I see. Um, now it describes itself as better insight and analysis. Does that make you good at betting? <laughs> you would think so. Um, <laughs> I like to say that we welcome on smart people to the show and we get their expertise and right. insight on the Does actual gambling. Yes. That is right. – listen – you, you, you handicap the handicappers, as I like to say. When you have people on that actually have their own models and their power ratings and their algorithms, they're the smart people doing this for a living. I think the beauty of what we do at SportsGrid, and we do it on our College Football Today pregame show on Saturdays as well, is we explain the games. We break down matchups. We look at key players, all that stuff, just through the odds, right? Like mm-hmm. Wisconsin favored to win the football game but really should they be based on this matchup? And thus we hoped that we can find a profitable action for people. Maybe it's Nebraska plus six and a half. Maybe it's the Huskers money line. Maybe it's this certain individual player prop. It's the same sort of game breakdowns and conversations you would see across any of the media, sports media landscape. We just do it from the odds perspective, kind of leading the conversation. So I just take the under in every game. 100%. And I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty rich now, but Absolutely I, so. <laughs> what do you, how do you typically bet? Oh, I take the under in every big 10 West game <laughs> that I possibly can. That's the great thing about Nebraska though. If I may say for my time in Omaha, following this Nebraska Cornhuskers team, the defense was always a liability. There were some stars on offense, but the defense mightily struggled back in the Mike Riley era. Obviously, Mm. Eric Chenander under Scott Frost. That never Mm. panned out for whatever it was. What Tony White is doing right now, and I think I saw this from my guy Connor Happer, who is still there in Omaha, Nebraska. I think he works for 1620 The Zone now. He made the point, oh, by the way, just looking at the college football playoff rankings that were just unveiled, Georgia 
leapfrogged Ohio State. The Bulldogs now won. Mm. Ohio State two. Are we, remains at three. Are we, four? Are, we, are, we, are we six? Are we close to a shot? Yeah, I think you're just on the outside. Oh, what is that? Kirk said Nebraska's eight. Yeah, Kirk Kirk just said Nebraska at number eight. Yeah. So yeah. We, need some, we need Georgia. We need Georgia to lose. Yeah. Okay. I guess Got they don't it. control their own destiny. But one of the things that I find fascinating about this version of Nebraska, and as Connor Happer said, get Tony White off the Broyles awards list as one of the 57 nominees so everybody doesn't think yeah. about Tony White, the outstanding defensive coordinator who was the D.C. for a few seasons for my alma mater in Syracuse. If That's he had right. to go anywhere, if he had to go anywhere, I'm glad it's Lincoln, Nebraska. But they have brought back that physicality up yeah. front which is something Matt Rule has relied on in his stops previously. And it is that black shirt mentality back for this Nebraska football program. And because of that, they have been elite defensively, the yep. third best rushing defense in all the country, which Andrew has made those unders very, very profitable this year on Nebraska. They can't make them low enough. Yep. In fact, <laughs> if we're getting ready for history in the Heroes Trophy. Oh, my game, God. It's got to be. That... Less than 27 and a half, which was the Iowa Rutgers closing total to yeah. make history once more. I think you, you, tweet, you tweeted out, you tweeted out, I was had like the six lowest betting totals in the last yep. two seasons yep. in the history of like football. Ours has, it's got to be 20. It's got to be. I don't, if Rutgers, who is a great defense, but not quite to Nebraska's level at this point, yeah. and Nebraska's offense isn't really good. And Iowa's offense, of course, as we know, is abysmal. No shot, of course, at the Huskers' offense and what they're doing on that side of the football this year then you have to think there's a realistic chance it is yeah. less than 27 and a half. That game oh, between Rutgers and Iowa was the first ever FBS total for any college football game in history since those numbers started being tracked back in 1995. That was less than 30, and it was two and a half points less than 30. And the game, of course, still 22. went under. Yeah, we got yeah. we, we to hope. We got to hope Nebraska – and Iowa can at least get to 27, take off the hook, or maybe 26 and a half. And as I have done for every historic Hawkeyes total, I bet the under immediately when the line becomes available. It's I will do time. the same thing for Black Friday. It's hit every time. Andrew, yeah, in the, the five like times. Six, six of seven, five of six, six of seven. So the five, five times in the last 13 games, dating back to the Floyd of Rosedale game last year at the end of November between Minnesota and Iowa, that yeah. game was 31 and a half. The bowl oh. game was 31 and a half. That one wasn't this even year, close either. No, no not even like close. 13, 10, wasn't it? All of them under. Iowa, Minnesota this year. Iowa and Northwestern at Wrigley Field. Oh. And then, of course, this past Saturday, Iowa and Rutgers. Every yeah. game that at the time was either the lowest total or co-lowest total ever, all of them have hit the under. It's I, beautifully consistent. I love that you're doing it almost like – like a sarcastic bet and you just keep winning <laughs> so that, that's the thing like the bit becomes reality where i yeah. have done it to make the point because i love to do this on our shows or any content or any platform i'm involved sure. with i will say your grandkids will ask you what you did how did you bet the iowa rutgers total and you will <laughs> tell those grandkids that papa was on the right side and bet the under because we all <laughs> want to live on the right side of history and it's become a bit that has been profitable now five times in a row it's Incredible. it's beautiful what's let can you so you've you've got great perspective across i mean it was focused on the west because that's the most beautiful conference but um tough the fan bases themselves um the the iowa fan base the wisconsin fan base and then you can touch on like the minnesota one as well i think that's kind of interesting but um you know I, iowa like for all of their faults and we like to mock them too they're in a way like they're doing exactly what 
we should be doing with this mm. team right now. I think Dirk Chatlin had a tweet that I was kind of going around saying basically like I was doing I, the difference between Iowa's eight and two and Nebraska's five and five is that Iowa's embraced that their offense stinks and they've managed the game accordingly. And Nebraska hasn't done that yet. But like, do yeah. the Iowa fans appreciate that? I, I, that's my question. One, my second question around like Wisconsin is hmm. like, how in the dumps are they on the last couple games? Do they think Fickle's got it? Like, do they, you know, where, give me the mindsets of both of those fan bases. Yeah, right. Like fandom is a very interesting thing. There's one end of the spectrum. There's a realistic end of the spectrum. And there's probably somewhere in the middle that's a good majority or a, a, a fair, fair uh, a more fair sample size of how things actually are. I would say for the most part, Iowa fans are happy with winning, but realize there is a certain ceiling to what they do. And yeah. they've known it for the better part of the last two and a half decades because that's where <laughs> Kirk Ferentz has been, Right. It's a great thing to be able to be eight and two. Pretty much 125 college FBS football programs would ask for that if you yeah. said before the year you're going to win eight of your first 10 games and have the possibility of playing in your conference championship. But yeah. there's the picture on the field of how it all comes together that I think Iowa fans, who again are realistic about their football program, have an understanding of where they are and where they can get to to start to evolve, I think, is more what it is instead of like, Hey, we're going to rival Ohio state. We're going to go yeah. rival Alabama. We're going to go win national championships more. So, Hey, the product is just not really with the 21st century. Yeah. We're so yeah. great on defense. This defense deserves better than yeah. what our offensive scheme has looked like the last half decade. I think Wisconsin's going through it a little bit. Fickle's a different individual, right? He's outside yeah. of the Wisconsin family. The Wisconsin family for the last 25 years has been Barry Alvarez and then Brett Bielema, who knew the Big Ten West, and then Paul Christ, who, of course, mm -hmm. knew Wisconsin and was their head coach. And they kept things all very similar. Hog Molly's up front, focus on the defensive mm -hmm. side of the football, establish the run, and they were really good at it. They were elite at that. Luke Fickle is modernizing the football program, and I think he's going to do some great things as he is one of the most successful head coaches in the sport in the last six to seven seasons. But it's going to take some time because you're completely yeah. putting a facelift on this football program and the personnel is not exactly built for the dairy raid or for a modern type of football. Yeah. But that will come. And I think those with cooler heads are going to allow Luke Fickle some of that breathing room to figure things out. So I think as you look at it, Dave, there's like the realistic fans that are very understanding of where their programs are. And those, there are those fans that are very happy with the success that their team or program sees. And then, of course, there's going to be some others that are like, this is broken, this is terrible, fire this guy immediately. But that's it's the beauty fun. of college football, yeah. and that's the beauty of fandom. Well, so here's – and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that. And here's here's a here's a hot news bomb drop that just came across. Chip Kelly's about to get fired Oh, um, UCLA. That just hit the Twitterverse right before we went live. So there's a bomb for you. Um, Why? So, I don't know. I didn't do it. Yelled me. What are you doing? <laughs> why would you, why would you even say that? Yeah, I'm not the athletic director. I didn't do yeah. it. I don't know. But who do you think they are? But so here's the new age Big Ten. Um, I, I think what's I'm fascinated with. I'm sure you are too, Ben. Is you've got USC coming to town, you got UCLA yeah. coming to town, you have Washington coming to town, Oregon coming to town, and how much? So here's and this is kind of like a a broader question, but. So Nebraska came into the Big Ten, and I truly thought we were just going to dominate this conference. I think we all did. 
And we did for like a hot second, at least as far as like winning all the games we should have. Right. And I just thought the Big Ten was boring and it's slow and it's it's just a brutal brand of football. And we were this fast, you know, sexy offense that could like make a ton of plays. And they have just slowly ground us into this useless version of Nebraska. And like the Big Ten just grinds you and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how exciting you are. They're going to grind you to a pulp. So a, a broader question on like, I think Fickle is trying to do what he did at Cincinnati and bring speed mm. and all the other things, Wisconsin. One, is that going to work? And then the follow-up question to that is like, is he, is this big 10 model, the Iowa model to just grind you down the Minnesota model, just grinding you down all these guys who just like bleed you to death in November. Do you think they'll do that to UCLA and Washington in late November when they got to play Purdue November 15th? in the freezing cold or they got to go yeah. up and play Minnesota or they got to go up and play Michigan. I, I mean, what do you, do you think Luke Fickle works and do you think those models in UCLA and USC are going to work in this you know, brutal big 10 West? Yeah. First off the 2024 schedule makers in the big 10 conference office there in Rosemont, Illinois pansies. If you ask me, because the West coast teams like UCLA and USC, yeah, the furthest trip they go past the Missouri is I think November 5th is that first weekend of November. We don't have any games in Evanston or Madison late in November. Uh-huh. That was that was super, super lame. But good for teams like Nebraska and Iowa that get to go west in L.A. at the end of November. So that should be very fun. You know, it's a really interesting question, Dave, because there is that evolution that happens in college football that I think even if the Big Ten was not expanding, Iowa fans would still be calling for it. And Wisconsin fans would still want – to not just win the Big Ten West with a 9-3 and three record and then get demolished by Ohio State by 31 points in the Big Ten title, but truly have an opportunity to, com- to compete for conference championships. That being said, I don't think Lincoln Riley is going to walk in and immediately win 10 games. He might, just because USC's talented and could win 10 games in any league around the country. But one of my best friends at work, Kevin Walsh, who's a part of the College Football Today show, is of the belief that Lincoln Riley and the Trojans next year with Malachi Nelson are going to come in and dot up whatever Big Ten defense for 70 points. I'm like, not a chance, man. They're not used to seeing that brand of football either. So USC is going to be like, whoa, what are we getting into? The same way that Iowa and Minnesota might be like, whoa, yeah. what are all these guys doing five wide and the quarterback's by yeah. himself, not under center with nobody next to him? There's going to be that ad- adaptation, I think, from every side, at least on the consistent basis. Of course, you see it in college football. It's not like they're truly going to be shocked by the shotgun formation or pistol formation or RPO or whatever it is. But I think just that consistency of playing that style each and every week is going to start to find your adaptations each and everywhere. Kirk Ferentz is still there. Phil Parker is still there. Iowa's defense is still going to be elite. Even Penn State and Michigan right now, who were two of the top 10 teams in the country entering this past weekend, rely on the defense. Ohio State's defense is far superior to its offense this year. This might be the first year since 2012 that Ohio State has not averaged at least 35 points per game on offense. But it's their defense leading them into a potential Big Ten championship. So. Yeah, you know, it's like you go back and forth a little bit with how all of that is going to work. It's interesting because when fans get accustomed to a certain style of football that has led to success, like in Madison, like in Iowa City, like in Lincoln as well, you want that success and you yeah. don't really want to sit back and be patient to allow that to grow. And it takes different iterations as we have seen mm-hmm. in Lincoln, Nebraska. Listen, I was on the desk live 
at KMTV 3 News Now in Omaha, Nebraska, on the day that Scott Frost was hired. I uttered the words words live on air. If this guy doesn't figure it out for Nebraska, then nobody ever will, right? That's how much belief Ah. I had in Scott Frost. The prodigal son returned home to lead the Cornhuskers back to glory. So I said that too, but here we are. Exactly, right? So you think things are a perfect format and a fit, and we all still are waiting for Scott Frost's offense and the Big Ten to adapt to it and all that stuff, but then you start to find the medium and what actually works for Mm -hmm. a specific program. I think Matt Rule is doing that. I think we've seen success in other Big Ten West areas. I think UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon are going to be just fine in the Big Ten. It's going to be more of a national conference, though, as college football has become – a little bit more of a professional system and how that all works, that some of the geographic and the regional ties that made the Big Ten the Big Ten are going to be very different as we get that professional system yeah. in college sports. Yeah, I think I mean, that's what it's, – it's it's great perspective across sports. I, I mean, for us, a perfect example of, like, trying to bring the Oregon offense to Nebraska. And, like, yeah. you just – you can't handle when, you know, Minnesota and Iowa hold the ball the entire first quarter. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, hey, you, you, congratulations, you get two drives in the first half. <laughs> Death by just, they're just, yeah, best. they're just gonna hold the ball, and then you know he gets frustrated, and like he's like, Adrian, just you know, throw throw a bomb, and then they intercept it, yeah. and then before you know it, you, you know, you've had two drives in the first half, and you're down, you know, a, you know, ten nothing or fourteen nothing, and it's like, what? How does I wouldn't even have the ball? So that, I guess that's that's the thing of like, it's a perfect example of you know the Oregon offense coming here. I don't think Oregon will have a problem, but some of the other ones like when when they hold the ball for the first you know two quarters. And you just you just don't even have any drives. You don't even get a chance. That that to me is what the Big Ten is. They just bleed you out, and sure. they, they grind everybody down. It's not just Nebraska; it's everybody that they're playing, and that's that's how you end up with a five way tie. In Turns out, uh, Chip Kelly, by the way, I, I was just looking it up. Is it Wait, fake? Not. Is it fake? Huh? Is it fake? Is it- no, I, I'm just saying he is way worse than I thought. And yeah. also these rumors are very real. He's like 500 all time there. But uh, yeah. that's also the crazy thing. It's like Chip Kelly. against ranked teams. And yeah. just I guess couldn't quite get over the hump. I mean, I always thought they were, you know, just decent. They just never quite got from like average to, to really good. But yeah. anyways, um, back to you, Ben. The what I found interesting, I was just you know doing a little research before. You are all over the place in terms of uh, your media coverage and like content uh, curation and creation and everything. So you got your a podcast, you your TV and streaming on Sports yeah. Grid. The podcast was the morning after. Is that right? So that was the morning show that I used to host was the morning after at Sports morning Grid. After. It is okay. recently moved into a combination of the two former morning shows to become one mega morning show called The Early Line. So that's our TV slash radio simulcast each and every day from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah. Got it. So we got Sports Grid. Twitter, you have over 22,000 tweets all time. Nice job on that. Thank you. (laughs) You're cooking. A lot of them Big Ten tweets. A A lot of them Big Ten tweets. A lot of them at the end a lot of them have been about running into Nebraska fans on the streets of New York City, which has been it's great content. It's Crazy how often that happens, right? It just keeps happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what medium do you like enjoy the most? And then, I mean, what's what's the screen time on your phone looking like? Oh, at least six and a half hours every week. I wish it was less. I love Twitter. I really do. Right? Like Twitter can be vitriol, and Twitter can be an angry place. But I think for sports media. 
the immediate connectivity that you have on Twitter is never going to die, right? I have a lot of friends that are not in sports media and are not on Twitter nearly as much. And they're like, is Twitter going to last? Is it called X now? Like, is it going to stick around? Are you nervous? Did you get threads and all this stuff? And I was like, yeah, I've looked at it, all that stuff. Like Twitter's always going to be there because it's so ingrained in sports that when we're watching a game, we fire off a tweet live on Twitter. We're not going to go to TikTok to do that. It's the immediacy of Twitter that I think is beautiful for sports. I can't speak for other areas and what it might be, but for sports, it is always going to be there. So my dream job and what I want to do in life is to be the host of college game day. I've already always said that. So yeah. yeah, college football, college basketball, are my two favorite sports. So Sports Grid is a wonderful, wonderful place. And the opportunity that we have built for the College Football Today show, which is our version of game day, our pregame show each and every Saturday morning from 9 to noon, is exactly what I want to do. So that's the avenue I want to be in. If the Big Ten Network comes calling, hey, you know, Big Ten Ben has a nice ring to it there as well. So anything that is kind of just around the passion of college football, that's what I want to be a part of. I like that so much more than professional sports. Now, I'm not going to ever turn down a job, but college football, the passion, the tradition, how there's always an eye on the future, yet it's always tied to history as well. I find that marriage so beautiful in college football and college basketball and what specific programs and universities and geography can mean to people. I think that's a little bit more ingrained than that of professional sports. So I will always love college football and college basketball and really any collegiate sport a little bit more than I do professional. So that's exactly what I'm trying to work in at all points, to be around that, to build my brand in that. That's really been my favorite thing. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that I couldn't have said it better. I think that's like the biggest thing that divides college and the NFL too. I mean, obviously there's territorialism in the NFL, but there's nothing quite like – you know, a river splitting two college towns from each mm-hmm. other and just, you know, a couple, you know, 50 miles down the road is the most hated school. And, the you know, that that type of local rivalry and stuff just gets the juices flowing on a Saturday morning. That's great. But no doubt. Uh, about it. My uh, final question, just because you mentioned college game day, if you don't mind, Dave, I'm um, going off script. But um, we were talking about, you know. Uh, Pat McAfee he's brought a lot of love, a lot of juice to that show. A lot yeah. of I mean, you know, huge amount of energy, but apparently there's maybe been some disagreements and stuff. If you're going on the show and I'm an ESPN exec, what are you going to tell them? Like, this is what the show needs. This is what this is what needs to happen to take game day to the future. I think they need to go back a little bit more on just appreciating college football. I think they're kind of getting away from that a little bit. I remember waking up on the West Coast as a kid and just the idea of being on those college campuses, getting to have a small snapshot of what life is like for that tailgate, for that pregame, for that atmosphere is the beauty of it. Now, I can't say that I watch it as much as I would like to because I'm also live on air during those times over the last few years. So I don't really know what the product looks like now as opposed to even three to five years ago. But I think that's the thing that a lot of college football fans, at least as I glean from reactions on social media, think it's becoming a little bit too commercialized, which I guess is the story for college football and college sports as a whole, which makes sense, right? It's the TV networks that have Mm -hmm. really driven the TV revenue that drives conference realignment and all these sweeping changes that we see in collegiate athletics. So it does make sense. And if you follow the buck, you can start to see the reasoning why. I think it's just once you're there, once you're on that college campus to try to allow the audience to experience and feel what it means to be with that fan base, with that tailgate, 
with that certain area. That's the beauty of it. That's why I love what I do. That's why I want to do what I do is to kind of have those shared experiences and provide that passion and excitement for people. So not so much commercially, but just having that organic, authentic experience of what a game day on college game day is really like, I think is the beauty of it all. Love it. I want to be uh, respectful of your time, Ben. I, I, you, you told me you give me a strong half hour. You've given me a very, very strong half hour. Appreciate that. And, uh, let's round this thing off. Last question for you, then, because you, you got a, you got the morning show. You got a full full day of content tomorrow. Um, Nebraska. How do you think Nebraska is viewed nationally? Like, what's what's the outside perspective for Nebraska? We're we're in the fishbowl inside of it. You know, what, what do folks outside of of Lincoln and in Omaha think of it? I don't think people understand, Dave, how much people care about Nebraska football. I don't think people truly understand why Nebraska believes they should be a good team. Mm -hmm. After looking at the past 10 years or so and thinking, wouldn't eight wins be sensational? Wouldn't six wins and bowl eligibility be enough for everybody to be happy with where this program is? But once you have lived in Nebraska, even for a small amount of time, like two years, not even growing up in the fan base or with ties to the program, you get the sense of why people are as passionate as they are and why the expectations seem so altered from people that are in and around the program and in the state of Nebraska to those outside and that national perspective. It's that desire to experience what your parents did and what your grandparents did and what you did as a kid to have that national relevance once again. And I think Nebraska is going to get it because the brand is still incredibly strong, but I don't know if people in the national audience have that understanding of why Nebraska, especially in modern times, thinks yeah. they should be contending for yeah. national championships. And that's why my time at Omaha, learning the history of the program, anytime I come into contact or conversations with individuals about that very thing, I try to explain and reiterate, this is why Husker fans feel the way they do, which I think is a beautiful thing. So I think nationally people are like, I don't really get why you think you should be a nine-win football team yeah. at their yeah. minimum. But I think once you start to realize that, it's that kind of lapse, I guess, between what Nebraska fans expect and what national media believes Nebraska fans should anticipate and should be expecting. But I like to lean with the Nebraska fans in the hopes of the return to glory. And if we die, we die. And believing in that rule, the program builder bringing the Nebraska Cornhuskers football program back to the Pantheon. I do believe it's happening. Maybe I got caught up in the Kool-Aid during my time there. I believe in the offseason national yeah, championships. I believe that Nebraska will be back contending for conference championships and maybe even college football playoff spots here sooner rather than later. No, I love it. It's I think it's a great way to go out, man. I appreciate you got all the buzz down at the uh yeah, man. It's 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 a total illness of I'm, like, <laughs> it's laughing. Not an illness. I'm laughing because like Saturday I was like in just the darkest death spiral I've ever been in. It's and pathologic then, though. Yeah. Tonight, no entire lineup is like how i think we can still win the big 10 even though i was like on saturdays like i don't think we're gonna win ever again and now i'm like i think we're back actually yeah. we're back I, but i love the tweets by the way from us guys that are always just like what if we just won and never stopped winning that was my favorite because it's just like what if we what is a great strategy has anybody employed that yet why don't we just try that why don't we just try to win the rest of our games why don't let me just, I just, if I could just text cruel that, just, just start winning, please. So much interaction yeah. every week of people up in arms or they're yeah. like, yeah, actually, you know what? <laughs> yeah. 
we should do that. This could be the week that that happens. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And honestly, it kind of does go through my head. Like, you know what? The ball bounces our way today. What if, what if what Jeff if it, Sims just stops turning the ball over four times a game? What if, Jeff, here's a snap. The guys if, in red are on your team. Just give it to them. What if, what if, what if instead of acting like a JV high school quarterback, you caught a snap? What if? Yeah. So, not hard, right? It's a very low, floor, very low floor. He's got to jump over. So listen, uh, as as we wrap up here, I just want you guys to know I'm with you. Not only in my fandom and my ties, and that my heart still sings for yes. the Cornhusker football program, but I also bet Nebraska over six and a half wins with some plus money to the over <laughs> because I had belief in Matt Rule and the talent on the roster. And a main reason being, I thought Jeff Sims was going to elevate this offense with a really yeah. strong ground game this year might. to an still area. Might. Yep, still might, right? So <laughs> it needs to happen against Wisconsin, and it needs to happen in Iowa City against the Hawkeyes. And oh, maybe, God. just maybe, there is an opportunity to win a seventh game and maybe, just maybe, go to Indianapolis the next weekend for the Big Ten that's Championship. We're seventh, actually, we're going to go No, well, that's the thing. I mean, think, think oh, about if we get to play Michigan without sign stealing. I mean, that's that's really, we're just a couple plays that's away. It. That's we're, it. We're, what, probably two or three plays away? Four, five? <laughs> I love, by the way, Matt Rule's turn of face on the whole Michigan sign-stealing yeah. scandal once it I think dark. he started to realize what had happened. Because I think at first it wasn't as established of how extensive the operation was and where Connor Stallions had or had not been within the Big Ten Conference. Because Michigan fans were sharing out his explanation of why we need helmet technology and headsets in the actual helmets throughout college football, which is very, very true. And Matt Rule is completely spot on in that assessment. He went from that to being like the champion of Michigan of like, hey, sign stealing is not that big of a deal to all of a sudden being like, well, now you yes. mess with my boys. Yeah. And now we got problems. Yeah. So that now would be wonderful problems. whenever that comes up next, you know? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah my, my biggest issue with the whole thing is um, it's actually more along the lines of what I haven't done. So I, I consider myself close to a Connor Stallions if I would do anything to save this program, <laughs> including launching a jerky business or doing any sort of illegal espionage. It no, just, it, it bothers me that I don't have a 45 page manifesto. I've been working on it. Yes, ben, I'll yeah. share it with you as soon as it's done. You need to start growing. Yeah, think, share, share me on the Google Doc, please. I very, I very rarely get humbled by another super fan who out super fans me, yeah. and he has he out super fan me. He did. Can you imagine him explaining this to like his loved ones? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm working on my manifesto. I got I got a flight to this school tomorrow. Yeah, I got That's my great. covert operation going on that I'm covering. Today, like I'm scared of that guy. I feel like yeah. he's like outside my house listening to us. He's right? a maniac. Maybe yeah, he's, he's probably listening to this right now. He's listening to Maybe. every podcast. He's tapping phones. This guy is is wired in. All right, Big Ted Ben, we got you for enough. You got to go to bed. You got early stuff tomorrow. We appreciate you, man. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. Playing jerky's on its way. Heck yeah, appreciate it. GBR as always. GBR, thanks, man. <laughs> Big Ted Ben, guy's a stud. Love that guy. Um, great insight. Super good hot. insight. We're gonna keep going because I got a lot more content to cover specifically about Nebraska, and I just got right. some, I got some stuff to get off my chest. So let's get it. Let's you ready? Thank you, Big Ten Ben. Appreciate you. That guy is an amazing follow on Twitter. Very underrated. Good stuff. Um, all right. So drop it. But go ahead. Now that Big Ten Ben is is off, and we can dive into some Husker stuff. Um. I got to talk. So my first thing, we, we're going to talk about this loss, but my first thing is how I actually watched this game and how I actually experienced 
the loss itself, yeah. which I just feel like is important. And I, I've listened to enough. I've listened to a couple different podcasts and some others have experienced the same thing. Okay. Did you have any issues with Peacock? Um, it was slow. Horrible. It was buffering. It was slow. I was like using it my phone. I had pushed it onto my TV. I looked at Twitter and it was like six minutes ahead. I mean, I couldn't. So here's, here was, and this is what I specifically want to cover. So I, I couldn't, I mean, I must have paused it or something. I was behind, I was behind you and I was behind dad. And I was behind everybody who's texting me and oh, Twitter yeah. and everything. So I had to just go dark. I was like zero dark 30. Yeah. But then I made the mistake. I made the mistake on after we had pumped, after we had punched the fumble out on Maryland's drive, right? Okay. So they were driving down like this yeah. third to last drive. Oh, it was amazing. So I pulled my phone out. I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. Like I, I was like about to text everybody. I believe it. And I had gotten a whole series, like 20 different horrible texts that were like, ah, this is a disaster. This is the worst thing ever. I hate this team. Like all this stuff. I'm like, what just happened? We are, we just... just we just punched this out and we're about to win this game. Five and 90 yards. So right I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there for the next like five and a half minutes because it finally dawned on me that I was mm. like 10 minutes behind everybody else. I'm getting just horrible texts. I'm getting calls, all this stuff. And then I watched the entire Purdy drive, which was yeah. extremely impressive. Best time of my life. Extremely impressive. And I can't even enjoy it. Because my phone is just exploding for disasters, horrible text, and I'm like, okay, so maybe it yeah. comes like maybe we miss the field goal, maybe we miss an extra point, maybe they come out and drive at the end. But I'm oh, no, enjoying the Purdy drive. So Purdy, you know, Purdy's throwing darts. Yeah. We got Billy Kemp that it's got a huge, huge, you know, huge run. Yeah. Followed, you know, followed by an Emma Johnson has a huge run. Breaks his first one. That was great. That life was good. I, I mean, everything was happening. That, like, Purdy's that. getting up. He's like pumping up the crowd. Memorial Stadium's going absolutely nuts. Yeah. And chanting. Still, even knowing. So then we're on the five yard line. Even knowing something horrible is about to happen. I still could not have predicted how bad we would throw a pass yep. with our third string quarterback who has not thrown a pass all season on the goal line. Yeah. So that, that was like, even knowing something horrible has happened, I still could not have predicted mm. the depths of that followed by our lights out defense, giving up a 90 yard drive to follow that. Like I, that was like, that's true. Yeah. It was like all of that was so crazy, even though my Peacock experience was like, I was so far behind. It was a mess. I couldn't fast forward. I couldn't get through the commercials, all this stuff. Like even knowing something horrible is about to happen, I could not have predicted that. Right. I mean, well, yeah. The It's tough to forgive our coaching staff for making that decision. The the first down play, to be clear, and because this has just been it's been widely criticized in all the different podcasts. So here here's where I end up on this. First down or third down? The the so the first starting with yeah. the first down play. Um right call. They were trying to run it up the gut. I don't know if it was an RPO, but for some reason Purdy pulled it from his gut and then he ran and then he just threw it. That stops the clock. Yeah, horrible play by Purdy if he did this on his own accord. No idea what he was thinking. No one was open because no one thought he was passing. I mean, because it was a running play. So that's, yeah. So you've got three and a half minutes left. That could have been a run that could have taken 30, 40 seconds off. So that's, that's mistake number one. Number two, they, they ran it fine with that because everyone wanted them to run it. The third down play is tough because like 
the deal is that if you have a a solid quarterback, that is an easy completion. Kemp had at least a step or two, but I don't know where the signals got crossed there. Uh, Coleman sort of stopped his route. Like he was kind of surprised that it was even coming, but he could have gone to Coleman. He could have gone to Kemp. I think a good quarterback just makes our O coordinators look terrific there. And that's where I think things fell apart a little bit for me is that there was a lack of communication. There was a lack of execution. And in the end, if he completes it, life is good. Yeah. Because he didn't complete it, we look so stupid. Because yeah, well, I think it's run that ball, and I and my right when he right when we downed it there, I was immediately saying the same thing. I was like, "You just need points, period, period, period." And our only way to do that should have been three straight runs. So, if you maybe had better personnel, it's probably not a terrible call. You know, it's third and eight yeah. from the person, or third and seven, third and eight from the eight yard line. Like, you know, of course you think about passing that. Um, yeah, that's and, be the, and like, like a good quarterback, you know, maybe either throws it out of bounds or puts it like only where your receiver can get it or it blocks it, and then you take the field goal, right? Like that's that's, that that's the whole sense. problem of the whole thing. But that's the is, problem. That's the, the problem. problem. The whole thing is is the coaching staff's thinking that they have. Like Marvin Harrison, and that, that right, like we don't, and that you know, it's like you're talking about a freshman, true freshman wide receiver, a little guy in Kemp who's not a goal line threat. You've got Bullock on the outside, and you've got a third string quarterback. That was his third pass he's thrown in this calendar year. Yeah, I mean, the, in the end, you gotta you gotta play to your personnel, and it was a bad call. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think like any other team maybe, or or any team with a good. QB or whatever, like you know, somebody that had been starting all game, you know, this wasn't their first drive yeah. ever, or second drive ever. But I mean, that I think that one's getting a ton that's of. That's where of, it's gonna get criticism. Rightfully. I think that that rightfully show. I think you know, I think that it, it's it's hard to put anything on the defense. Like they they held them to thirteen points. You should win. Yeah, ninety five percent of your games at thirteen. Yeah. You know, holding them 13 points. It, oh, it, it is tough that the two worst drives. The first the defense the game comes in. Oh well, God. like the two worst drives the defense have had probably all season are those two drives, even though one of them turned into a turnover um, and they punched the ball out like on the five-yard line. But those are back-to-back 95-yard drives to like really? the game they, for Maryland. Yeah, so, and, and they were just weird, like broken coverages. And, and you know, the penalty wasn't really a penalty, but, you know, they had a 25-yard run where they just checked into a play that, they saw like odd man coverage on one side. So I, it was, it was a little weird. Cause I think even then, if you say like, Oh, Hey, like if we wind the clock down and we kick a field goal, does the defense stand up? I'd like to think so, but they'd kind of just given up two straight drives anyways. No, so I think if you score, it's different. Everything's just looking so, so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It, that, that was tough. God, what it, I mean, what an ending. I think, Oh, she's just, all eligible too. I mean, uh, if they kick that field goal, there's zero chance that, that Maryland comes down and scores. I think the black shirts would have cooked them, but like there was just something so deflating about all of that. Yeah, I think just the I fifth just think turnover, and then like Maryland gets one call pretty much after the pass interference. I think the defense was just like, All right, you guys that I've run 17 miles today. Can I can't do yeah. this? So what's I mean, this is the hot the hot topic across the radio and across Oscar nation is what, what on earth do you do with the quarterback? I mean, you've got I think, Harvard's I hurt. 
I will answer simply that I think Saturday's pretty. I think he's hurt. If, if Harburg is hobbled, which I think sounds, so, it, it sounds like Harburg. They said today, Purdy and Sims are taking Sims all the snaps. Cannot play another down. I mean, what is what, what is his deal? I was I was his I was defending him because I was like, you brought him here to have us win games. You brought him from Georgia Tech. You know he has potential. You need to develop him. Take him under your wing. Make him cut down on these turnovers. He can't. It's it's done. I, like it's done. He can't. We know who he is. We knew who he was. We thought he could change. It turns. He's like a guy that just like keeps cheating on his wife or a girlfriend or something, and just like and you're just like, okay, I thought this guy could change. I thought that life was was different now. I thought he'd learned from past mistakes, and but it just like he can't become someone different, and and. Jeff Sims is that guy. He just can't seem to to get out of his own head. Some of the passes he's throwing are are I mean I'm just close. Like, I'm close. Like the safety is like about he's to fair like, catch it. He's just <laughs> he's got his hand up. He's like, he's like I got it. Uh, yeah, and, and they're a little they, like and like it doesn't even move. He just he's like, oh, he's probably gonna, he's probably gonna throw this up for grabs. Well, and same with Harburg, and just like some of these reads, you're just like where where were you even taught to throw that ball because yeah. not it, it couldn't have been there and so i, I do also think we need a, a dedicated like quarterback specialist analyst coach to come in something and take the reins there that's that's more off season talk though for saturday i don't like watching that purdy drive i don't think i saw anything that would make me say this guy can't start over Harburg. He had a spark. I mean, that's what I was like. I was saying, I was like, he had a spark. Yeah. He had the guys going. He's got a little mojo to him. He's got some confidence. He's got some he's charisma. Got he's got some energy. Throwing motion. I, he's he's you know. I mean, it's it, it's just it's it's so hard because he hasn't taken any first team reps all season. No, and, and there's he has a reason no, for that too. Like, he's a reason because he probably stinks in practice. And then right. we see we see one highly energized drive. But then he, yeah, he stunk last year. But then he also, you know, he makes two pretty crucial mistakes on the last drive. So you're also like, he doesn't have a great handle of the offense. If yeah. he's if he's pulling a ball that shouldn't be pulled and throwing a horrific interception, yeah. but he's got some mojo to him. He's got some juice. I I, I think yeah. I don't know. Pretty, I, I mean, he's not going to be able to run like Harburg, and he's not going to be able to have like the, the you know the arm strength of Sims. But all he needs to do. I mean, just all he needs to do is is turn it over two times or less. Like that's that that's it. And possible. And complete passes that are there. That the thing about a lot of the interceptions and turnovers is that like some of them are very promising plays. Yeah. Like you've got guys streaking on posts wide open. Yeah. Wide open. And it's either a touchdown or oh you okay. You, you threw it over his head by 70 yards. That's no. what's it's, it's really hard. I mean, everybody's just hammering Satterfield. I mean, I think he's not getting fired. Well, but I, I think yeah. he's he's an easy scapegoat. But if you watch, players are open on every pass. I, that's what I say too. There, I mean, there's situational decisions that we're making that are not good, but there's but there are times again where your quarterback can fix a lot of the. Like even if you disagree with the play call, like passing on third, 
you put Caleb Williams in and you're making your O coordinator well, look like a superstar. But you look at the, I mean, you look at the his two interceptions. They're like one, he's he's either he's throwing into you know him and Harvard, they throw into double coverage, but like a lot of them, they're airmailing a wide open yeah. Donny. Right. Right. It's like the play call's fine, the execution's fine until the ball is thrown. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I guess I, I'll hold out judgment a little bit on Saturday. I mean, the, the, the judgment is is deserved on the fact that they had. I mean, this is also getting a lot of run this week. Is they pushed Casey Thompson out for Jeff Sims? Like, right. so that yeah. the, the right. question comes talent back evaluation. to the talent evaluation is very poor. If that's your evaluation criteria, and maybe you made a wrong bet. But Sims had 30 turnovers in at Georgia Tech. He had 30 touchdowns, 30 yeah. turnovers. Yeah, that's so he was a turnover machine there. Red flag. And it's you know it's impossible to say like a lot of people are like, oh man if we had Casey Thompson would be eight and four. Not really. Like we're also four and eight with Casey Thompson. Like he's not a god, but he's he's significantly more competent than anything on our roster. He can complete basic passes. He can catch snaps. He doesn't just yeah. you know just Sims just dropped that ball again. Like he Straight just. Up. Just he, like, like somebody like, like holding it, you're just like, this looks like that's gonna be a fumble. Like he did it, like somebody just hit his finger, ball. and it's like he's you know he's a giant. He's like six two, six three, two hundred fifteen pounds. He's this monster of a man that like he just blows just on the ball. That's coming up. <laughs> so I, you know, I think they, they, I think they rule and him rule and Satterfield deserve plenty of blame for putting their career on on Sims, who just can't seem to get it together, and not being able to coach him up to the point that's like. Hey man, like forget it. You're bigger than this. You're better than this. Like, I mean, his stats are crazy. It's like he's had 13 turnovers and 24 drives or something. I mean, it's 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 like 40 to 50 percent of his drives end in a turnover, and it's just astounding. So I, I put more of it on the personnel than I do on Satterfield's ability to call plays because I truly think players are open on that almost yeah. every single play, and he's they're they're just all open. One in every nine snaps that Sims took. What's that? One in every nine snaps. Is a, a is a turnover. Yeah, one every nine. Yeah, That's one every nine. Well, it's 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 one in every nine snaps, but yeah. it's it's forty percent of his possessions and in turnovers. So yeah. like every other one, he's only has one touchdown in three games. He's one right. touchdown, and it was the only touchdown was that Minnesota bounce pass ridiculous one that was like wide open. <laughs> yeah, was insane. That was probably our best play. Yeah, I just like. Is I mean, it? it's crazy because it's now it's. I mean, we're 10 games in, you've got enough of a sample yeah. size to like be super upset about it. I think that's why I was going into a spiral on, on Saturdays. Like I can list all the exciting offensive plays we've had on like my hand. And I, that's so frustrating to me yeah. that like, you're just like, oh yeah, we had that one play and then the other play and then the other play we're like, right. And then, then you watch one Bo Nix game or one Caleb Williams game or one, yeah. you know, Jalen Milrow game or one, like you, what's, what's his face They're at, um, what's his face at, LS, at LSU? Had 550 yards. Yeah, I mean, he made more plays yeah. in the second half than we've made all season. It's just like we're dealing with this. Just say with Nebraska, like clearly we are committing to the run. We're fifth in the country in our rush play percentage. 63.5 percent of the time we rush, and we're only averaging 4.5 yards a rush. So I mean, like if you're going to be commit to something. Like be elite at that something, yeah. you know. Be like okay, if you know, like Air Force, like yeah, clearly they're they're running the ball. Army's running the ball, but like they choose to do it, and in general, most years, like that's what they practice. They get so super super crisp that they can get away with that offense. That sh- they just run the ball for us. We're in a lot of third and six plus situations, yeah. and 
when you're in that situation, are you going to run again? So that's how you end up with three quarterbacks that all threw interceptions. I mean, yes. good Lord, they think they're like trading war stories back at the dorms. They're just like, hey, man, yours was the worst, though, Chaba. <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. Yours was pretty bad. I just always come back to struggling so much with, like, how? I mean, you see some of these stats that are getting thrown around. They're just horrific. It's like, you know, we're, I think it's like we have a minus 112 turnover margin in the last, like, whatever, eight to 10 years. And the next closest is my, and the next closest is like minus, the next closest is like minus 60. Like, how, how we've had 60 more turnovers than every other team in the country. Like, Maryland had four turnovers and we had five. We still. We still went negative. But I just don't get – there are so many bad football teams in the country. And you're telling me that, like, none of the other, like, no division – you know, nobody else none. struggles this, this much. specific problem. What, they're, all, they're all power five, four, big ten, elite four coaching staffs. Four different staffs. But it's like the, the, these are elite athletes. These are these are four and five star – not five star, but three and four star athletes that are elite and are recruited and, and like – None of you know, like Jeff Sims, great quarterback. Heiberg yeah. is is all American Nebraska kid. Like nobody can hang on to the yeah. ball. It's just I think we're gonna go to town in the portal. I think Matt Davis. I, I mean, they have to to be get getting uh, the phones ready. I said, what's well, I? I hope they are ready because I think like I mean, I think Kalen is a great project. Like he's gonna come in and it's gonna take him three years. Day yeah. one. He's not a day one ready type guy. I think he's got a great arm and a, and great potential for sure. But other than him, you know that they clearly didn't want to be playing Purdy this year. And now Sims, I mean, he came in by obligation and they clearly aren't going to play him the rest of the year. So they're yeah. gone, right? Like they're basically, they're either, I mean, they're scout team bound or they, they transfer. You're redoing the entire quarterback room. And it's I think a quarterback room. And wide receiver room, yeah. Harburg's not a D1 quarterback. We had, you know, he's – I love the guy. He clearly plays hard. He's clearly a good athlete. I think we need to use him like Taysom Hill, basically, yeah. and, and turn him into, a, you know, this kind of gadget-type quarterback, run some wildcat, throw some passes here and there, but he should not be starting every single drive. So that's our solution for them. How do you see things going against Wisconsin? So I here's my – now, as we get back to positive vibes, because that was that was a lot of yeah. negativity, a lot of negativity. But it's hard to not be negative when you just I, well the no. negative the negative will shift into my positivity for the for the last two games. It it destroys me that we just had two games. Michigan State was on a six game losing streak, and they just got massacred again last weekend. They are bad at football. Maryland is on a four-game losing streak. Had yeah. lost to Northwestern. Had lost yeah. to Illinois. Mm-hmm. And like those are just like mm-hmm. I know we're bad, but oh my god! If you were to ever like this is a schedule on a silver platter to like win those two games, and then so this is what then shifts into another of the best. This will be the single best opportunity we have to beat Wisconsin ever. Is this Saturday? They will never be this bad. I they will right yeah. Truthfully, listen to this. They will never be this bad. They are coming yeah. off a loss. They got their brains beat in by Northwestern. That was insane. Twenty-four to three. Insane. But they were. I, I watched the whole game. They couldn't even get a first down. Like they couldn't complete a pass. 
They couldn't stop Northwestern. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And the two games ago, Wisconsin lost to Indiana, who hadn't won a Big Ten game all season. So this is a Wisconsin game that's completely reeling. If you watch their post-game press conferences, they're like, you know, Pickles out there like, we're going to find out who wants to be here and who wants to transfer and who doesn't yeah, want to be here. Some, some I mean, they, haven't, they got culture problems. They got locker room problems. They got yeah. all – they have – Every problem you could possibly imagine, their star running back is hurt. Mordecai doesn't seem to know. You know, he can't. He was having a hard time getting his mojo going the last two games. It's truly they're gonna. I agree with Big Ten Ben. I think they're gonna figure it out and they're gonna figure it out yeah. quick. Yeah. And they'll probably figure it out by next year. Sure. So like this is it. And again, yeah. it's like not to put too much pressure on it, but it's like that was your chance to be Maryland. That was your chance. Like that would be the worst Michigan State team you ever played. They don't even have a freaking coach. And so the fact that you blew that game, then you blew the Maryland game, it like I think that's what's broken. Nebraska fans are like, well, we've never beaten Wisconsin, and we haven't beaten it since 2012, and we've never beaten them in Camp Randall. But like, if there ever was an opportunity where they're you know they're starting running backs down, their quarterback is struggling, their teams quit, they've got locker room mixtures, they got culture issues, all sorts of stuff. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's something to be said too. There was like a post game. Oh gosh, I can't remember his name now, but um, the linebacker, defensive player for uh, Wisconsin, yeah, yeah, linebacker. Just gosh, he was kind of, yeah, he wasn't going off negative, but he, he just looked defeated. And yeah, it's basically his entire point was just, you know, we just, we just, nobody's showing up, nobody's doing the right things, nobody's doing what coaches yes, are asking. Great. Love it. And I, and I'm just like, let's just, you know, you guys should take one more week, <laughs> kind of just, you know. Think about things. Don't practice. Yeah, it's, just don't fight. Make sure you fight. Do lots you know, of fighting. Take a mental health break for four days. Come out against Nebraska very flat, lose, and then then know, figure then it out. figure it out. Yeah. Well, then, so, then they play with Minnesota for the last game of the year, and then they can go. To the, they can become bowl eligible at that point. Perfect. That's that's um, that's the ending. That's yeah. I just think they're. I mean, they're I, I, they're reeling a little. Re- bit. I feel better about the way that our, you know. We're like just missing, you know, like yeah. it's frustrating, but like we should have won that game. We should have won the Michigan State game. Like, but after we're not what like we've been through to be on the upswing, we think it feels a lot better than Wisconsin, who has been right. at the top of the mountain and is now tumbling down and yeah. can't seem to stop tumbling down. Love it. Great. I, but that's, but we still haven't beat them, even though they're tumbling down. It's I like, know. You know, like, <laughs> very you know, aware. But that's the, I don't know. That's where it's like, and like he said too, but like you know, like Ben said, he called it the Dairy Raid. Someone else must have called it that. That's just a fantastic name. But the Dairy Raid offense is not, just isn't really getting it done right now. And that is kind of my hope for us is that Wisconsin had three points against Northwestern going in. I think it was into the fourth quarter. Yes, they're the running with Wisconsin, Wisconsin football. Their rush play percentage. So I mentioned ours was in it was sixty three point five. That puts us at number five in the country. Wisconsin runs the ball forty five point nine percent of the time. That's so that's a full almost twenty percent below us. They're one hundred and fifth in the country. That is, their thirty three point six rushes or uh, rushes per game is ninety first in the country. Wisconsin football. I mean, like crazy. You think of as just. Their bread and butter is give it to your running back and let the hogs up front go plow. And so, 
I think they're getting away from that. They're trying to get away from that. They have a blueprint. They have a great quarterback in Tanner Mordecai. They just don't have the personnel around him at this at this point. So I think the black shirts are going to have a, a very good day, if I had to guess. Mordecai is good. He can definitely pass. He can definitely run. I just don't know that um, they've, they've really figured out their new identity quite yet. And so that's yeah. what gives me some hope. Well, that's what, I mean, what I'm not giving me hope yeah. is our offense versus their defense. <laughs> and scoring 10 points feels impossible. Like it's going to be hard on a top 20 defense. Because here's the deal these last few games, the reason I was so bummed about not beating uh you know michigan state and maryland is that the recipe for us to win right now with all the injuries on offense with all the issues finding our own identity and everything is that we rely on a terrible defense that makes a lot of mistakes against our offense to put us in position to score points that's just the reality and wisconsin even though their defense is not as good as it has been it's a top 25 scoring defense they're they're stopping teams enough like it's going to be a very tall task to score more than, I don't know, 17, 20, 10 feels like about the number we end up with 14 on man. We're having, we are cooking. If we hit 14, you have to, I mean, you have to do the Purdue thing. You got to block a kick. You've got to do a special teams turnover. You have to do a pick six, something that you're, we're going to have, we're going to have four turnovers. Like it's just going to happen. Not pretty. You have to accept it. It's going to happen. So then, I'm on, the I'm on the party train. Yeah, three to four. I mean, it's just you have to manage the game accordingly. I keep coming back to that Dirk Chatlin quote of like, got, appreciate that your your offense stinks. Figure out how to manage around it. Manage the clock. Manage the game. Wind it down. Try to hope for like you know. But there there is that formula, like that Purdue formula of like kind of grind things out. You strike one Malachi Coleman deep ball. You strike yeah. one Lloyd deep ball. That's it. You have one deep ball, and you have one special teams touchdown. And, you know, hope your defense can hold up. And, you know, the way that Wisconsin's struggling, you'd hope that they can. It's just like, does Braylon Allen come back and, like, have a heroic game? Like, God forbid. But, um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I mean, it's tough. It's like, you know, I you just hope they can put it together. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like, Sims, we're all done with Sims. But, like, what if he, what if he does actually play well? Like, he's. Yeah, seem possible, but no, like, I, what if he does? I actually think that this comes down more to our to our running game. Like, you need the passing game to pick up some third downs and stuff here and there, but we're not passing that much. Like, that's I think the other part of things is that our running game. If if we're gonna say, well, just don't pass, just never pass again, I would love that to never pass again. I'd love to run the damn ball to into eternity until I'm laying in a coffin somewhere. But uh, but that's not gonna happen. If your offense or if your running game is just not like elite, like they're going to continue to stack the box. They have these, I mean, the safeties for Maryland were like, you know, nine yards back from the line of scrimmage. They're just like waiting for you to run it. So that's the thing is that like, if you look at our last five games, we had 21 pass attempts, 28 against Michigan state, 11 against Purdue, 17, (laughs) 11 and a win. 11 and a win. This is our best. 11 and a win. 17 against Northwestern. We won that. 24 against Illinois. I mean, even going back, we, we've had one game 
over 25 passing attempts. It was Michigan State. We were 12 of 28. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's like, yeah, you manage the game, you manage the clock down, you trust the defense, you're able to play like, I mean, it's, it's you hate to yeah. call it the Iowa game, but it's like, we just need to survive the next two that's weeks to make it to the offseason. You cannot, I mean, God, it's just like, you can't. You can't lose four straight going to the offseason if you're rolling. No, nope. you cannot do it. No, I mean, I it's just try. it's gonna be the longest offseason ever. There's no way to recover from that. You just can't lose four games going into like it's just you can't do it. Um, so you gotta win one of these. You have to win one of these. You gotta either beat Wisconsin or beat Iowa. You have to. Um, but you one of those you had to predict it. What do you? How does this scenario play out the last two games? I think we beat Wisconsin and lose Iowa. <sighs> Um, so, because yeah. of just the storybook ending of getting to six and six, the fans would just rush the field. And That'd be awesome. Would <laughs> for no reason. I think. I mean, I. I but I. I honestly like. I, I watched the whole Iowa game, and I watched Wisconsin. I was watching the Iowa Wisconsin game on split screen. It was like, like after watching Nebraska's game, it was like just torture. I mean, I put it like you know we're like joking with big like Big Ten football stinks. And it's like you go from watching our disaster of a game. This last weekend? Yeah. So, well, the North Northwestern Wisconsin game yeah, yeah, yeah. was on split screen with Iowa versus Rutgers. Just, oh, it's like watching paint dry. Like both of them are so bad. There's no excitement. There's no gameplay. Yeah. There's no game breakers on either side of the ball. It's just a complete mess. But they, um, but both, I mean, Iowa is a little more nerve wracking because their defense is so freaking good. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're not even going to get a first down against their defense. Their offense is also atrocious. It truly like the Iowa game will truly be 10 to 10, 7 to 3. Some it, it'll be like the equivalent of what Northwestern and Iowa did of like it'll be 7-3, but like somebody's got to make a play. There I, I truly think, you know, the optimistic side is like there's a scenario where we can win both of these. Ooh, baby. I, like I think everybody, I think everybody yeah. thinks we're going to lose the that. next two. Yeah. I think all of Husker Nation is just broken and like can't I agree just so yeah. But but I think I think we do need to take a step back and and recognize like these are these two programs we're about to face. One of them is completely reeling, and Iowa wants like nothing to do with their coaches anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They've got parents. And Iowa's offense is so 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 bad. So bad that. There's no reason we can't go two and oh, one and one or oh and two, really. Like all of these things are are totally 100% in play, but that this is the reason that you hired Matt Rule is you wanted to go from that program that just kept losing these winnable games, which the last two weeks were. Now is when this is, I mean, huge gut check time. Like I, yeah. I, I just want to see us come out and have like the winning formula for these types of teams, because this is everything is for next year. You know, at this yeah. point, everything is just like, if we end up in a miracle scenario where we could win the big 10 West and go get absolutely, you know, our balls chopped off by Ohio state or Michigan, like, you know, so be it. That'd be awesome. I'm totally rooting for it. But the reality is like, even with that, everything is for next season and the season beyond. Well, six and six is, is for recruits. Six and six is for. Oh, it's, it's, it's for just winning. It's, it's winning's contagious. Winning is contagious. And like, if you're just, it's everything that comes around the bowl game. 
Yeah, it's it's the winning being contagious thing, and so is losing, and that's what's like losing has been contagious, and it's like now we have, I mean, the three losses this season are the exact same losses we've had the last five years, right. and so that's what's like. I mean, it's just a program wide like when in crucial moments we just don't have players that can step up to win the game, and yep. we haven't for years. And so then you're like, can can you know? I believe in rule. Like, can he motivate them to the point that he can get us over the hump and like make the big play and make the you know? But it's like Michigan State lose by three, lose by a game win, you know, game losing free field goal to Maryland on you know a, a ton of players not making nobody stepped up in Maryland, you know, nobody stepped up, no wide receiver stepped up, no quarterback stepped up, no defensive player stepped up with a big play, like you know, in the Minnesota game, same same deal. Anthony Grant the fumble, like Jeff Sims with the interception, like all all of these things are like you just don't have the elite player to step up. But that's like, I mean, the Iowa win last year carried us. For 11 months we don't need much. Oh, yeah you don't need much to carry this fan base but you can't you can't lose four straight oh god no we won't we won't i i just i i you can tell from the way that rule is is rigged like you can just tell with his mentality and like the way that he's preaching to these players like some kind of magic is gonna happen in one of these last two games yeah, hopefully both. I'm praying for both, but it's 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 going to. I will speak it into existence. Yeah, I guess the the, the thing that where you lose a little bit, like you know, we're so close to the program that we know it's like the injury bug that we've hit is oh, just yeah. inexcusable, like unbelievably bad. The quarterbacks are hurt, and top two running backs are down. All the wide receivers. Oh, but if you look, if you look at these last two, if you look at Wisconsin. Yeah. Braylon Allen's been gone for the last three weeks, and he's probably not going to play on Saturday. Mordecai's been hurt for most he of the season. Honestly, I've been meaning to tweet at him that he should rest. His, uh, yeah, he should rest. Uh, yeah. Who's the who's their other quarter or running back who got hurt? Um, well, Mordecai had a broken hand, but he came back last week. Yeah, but uh, then their other their second, their second string running back got hurt, and then they also had a converted fullback. He's like two hundred and forty pounds. Yeah, the bruiser, and he converted to running back, so he'd been getting a majority of their uh, their snaps in the last. Yeah, so I, that's where it's like, okay, yeah, everybody's like, oh man, like how can he win with these players? Okay, all those players are out for Wisconsin. They're starting top two yeah. starting running backs, same as ours. Their quarterback is hurt, yeah. same as ours. All of their like defensive players are hurt. Everybody in Wisconsin's hurt. You look at Iowa; their starting quarterbacks hurt. Cade McNamara has been done for the year. Their starting yeah, running backs hurt. There. All of their starting tight ends are hurt. So, like, you're going to the last two games. Figure it out. This right? is a, yeah. There's no that's, right. That's where it's like you know. I I think even a couple games ago, I was like, if he finds a way to take this team bowling, like he should win coach of the year. And I still stand by that. But I'm like, I'm losing empathy and sympathy for the fact that like every team we play has no, no player. And they have no they have no players left. Right. But like they're in the same situation. Yeah. yeah it's it, it. This isn't this like heroic. How are we possibly going to win? Everybody is playing with table scraps right now. It's yeah. going to be the best. Who's the best coach and who's the best motivated? And I think he can do it. It's just like, it's, you know, it's like make your money, right? You're making 7 million bucks a year. Like this is your chance. Yeah. No, I think we, uh, I think we can put it all together. I think that Wisconsin has some holes in their defense that they don't, haven't traditionally had, like, especially their passing defense has been a little bit, a little bit suspect, which, I know we don't want to pass the ball, but hypothetically we have to at some point and we'd rather be facing a weak passing defense. Um, and I think that their offense and their identity is just off enough that like it makes it 
a little bit of a complex situation for them. If like traditionally they want to run the ball, they're not going to be able to run as well as they traditionally do on us. It's going to be just like the Maryland game. And can our secondary step up and keep up with the, their horses on the outside? Mordecai's good. He's going to be a factor. But if Northwestern can do it, I really like our chances. <laughs> I just, I mean, but I, it's like you got to be careful with that because Michigan State had just lost six straight games by 28 but, points yeah. each. And like then all of a sudden pulled out a miracle and they probably won't win again the rest of the season. And Maryland probably won't win the rest of the season either. And it's just like, I, you yeah. know, we're playing down. I, I think there's like, like there's the micro and the macro. There's the micro. It's like you just got to freaking win a game so we can make it to a bowl game and we can like have the extra practices. The, the the macro side of this is we need so many more playmakers on offense. It's like not, you know, the, the micro is like, can we just grind it out and win a couple games? The macro is like, you watch the rest of college football. I mean, it's it's truly like a different sport. When you watch like Oregon play and when you watch USC play and when you watch Washington play and you watch like Michael Penix play and you watch like Caleb Williams play and you watch Bo Nix play and you watch Jalen Milrow play and you watch you know, all of these guys, you're like, they're just electric game changers. They're like completing passes yeah. left and right. They got Marvin Harrison on the outside. They've got JJ McCarthy running this way and that way. Like I, that to me is like the bigger problem is you're like, even if we all of a sudden put it together, this is not an elite, like we don't have the elite level talent. So it comes back to like the portal conversation of like, you can load up pretty quick that like, they got to move quick. You know, you got you to move quick. You get the bags ready, but like, you know, you need to restock the entire quarterback room, the entire wide receiver room, the entire running back room. I mean, just, it's got to go deep across the board. I just think, you know, we just don't have the talent right now. Yeah, I mean, I I just had to pull it back open, but like seven of our top eight recruits, depending on if the athletes stay offensive side, which I think they're supposed expected to, are uh, are on the offensive side of the ball. So I mean, you got McMorris, Kalen is is going to be a little bit of a uh, development. Roger Gradney, um, Carter Nelson's obviously a factor and stuff too. So you can tell that they're emphasizing that Davon Hall is in there as well. Um, you can tell that they're emphasizing uh, the offense as a priority. Um, we've got pretty good numbers coming back on, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But I think that the transfer portal, the offense is going to get a complete overhaul. Like even with – you've got 26 commits right now, a top 25 class. Hopefully we add a couple more to that, especially like on the O-line. But – I just think that the portal is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be good to us this year. I think Rule is figuring things out. You know, he didn't really have time this last, uh, or too much time this last offseason and stuff to to pull it all together. We were over scholarship limits and stuff. Yeah. It, this is going to be a, a very essential offseason, but it starts with Wisconsin and Iowa. And once we win those, we can move on. Yeah, I think, I mean, now I'm scrolling through the transfer portals this year at, it's again, you can give them like the pass on it was, you know, you had to rush you're through. Started, you're just starting a little. You late. just started. You started late, but it's like, man, there's some misses in here. Eric Gilbert. Oh, I yeah. Mean, you, yeah, Gilbert, Betts transferred. That's, Josh that's, Leakes has been probably not as good as I thought he was going to be. Kemp yeah. has been fine. Well, I mean, know. Fleeks isn't even playing his natural position. Like, yeah, Fleeks is like a running back. 
converted no. to running back mid like mid-pitcher. Yeah, it's I you know I I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It's like he was just trying to get back into college. You know, yeah. he has all these new coaches, and you know I think what was the yeah, I say, like next year are in a situation where all of these people that are injured can nearly all of them um, can end up coming back too if they want to. Like Washington, true. Can, yeah, Washington come back, can, but I think he um, can still take another year. Yeah. Um, uh, and then um, you end up with uh, your running backs room is like replenished again. Like Johnson, I think, can come back as well. Um, Gabe Urban can come back as well. You add to that in the transfer portal too. You get a quarterback yeah. overhaul as well there. Like you end up returning a lot of these guys that, that we've been missing this year and then adding to that on top of it with some depth. And not to mention – you know, you've got Coleman, Doss, uh, Jalen Lloyd, all of these guys yeah, getting young, experience now that are great. six, seven games under their belt. Uh, here's just to wrap it up. Here's a uh, here's a kind of depressing trivia question oh, for God. you. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> Who is? All right. I'll give you the first two, but leading receiving yards for Nebraska right now. Cadonis. Top two, Kemp is one. Fedoni is two. Up there. Who's third? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> this is going to really depress you. Is it Bullock? It's Marcus Washington. Who doesn't even design on the team? It's fantastic. <laughs> He's played six games. He played know, six games? God, how many are we playing six games? Well, yeah, you know. Do you know how many receptions he had in those six games? Ten. Eight. Eight. Awesome. Eight receptions for 176 yards, 22 yards per catch. I mean, it's funny you say it because I, I, I tweeted last week that yes, um, I tweeted last week that Fedoni had. You want to talk two, lack of playmakers? I Woo! tweeted last week that Fedoni had 270 yards or whatever it was. I was like, get, get him the ball like he's our leading receiver. Yeah, and I, hammered, I hammered for it because everyone was like, our leading receiver is 270 yards. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah that's 28 and, and campus 246. Yeah, I was like, that is pretty bad that our leading receiver has 220 yards through nine games and now it's through 10 games. Like, yeah, God, we, it's we've so thrown, bad. We've thrown eight touchdown passes. That's what I mean. So, this is our, I mean, we can wrap this up in a second. But like, our, <laughs> I definitely have realized about myself this is more personal issue, but like, if we're going to lose anyways, I'd rather have an elite offense and lose that way. You'd like, I, I think. Yeah, you'd rather be LSU or. Yeah, I just, I mean, not, it's just more fun. Even, just or like, USC, just not even bother on defense. Yeah, just, I, just I, not I, even be serious in practice. Like, I, th- I think there's, there, it's, it's a nuanced thought of like, realistically, I think the culture rule is building around defense is way better than my dumb brain can can yeah. wrap around. Great, I love it. Build it around the defense. Build it around that. I just think for me, as like a hype guy, that's like, I love like a big Trey Paul Yeah. Yeah. Give me a Trey Palmer touchdown, and we've Palmer had like so we've far. had like three of them. Everyone like, had fun with those. Though. We've had we've had like one Coleman, one Lloyd, and a yep. and a field goal block touchdown. Kind of it <laughs> for the whole season. The rest has been solid defense, and then it's like I can't even like tweet out like sweet like offensive stats. It's like oh, because Harvard has yeah. four hundred yards yeah. rushing. It's, like it's coming though. I mean, just yeah. imagine like like that's that's what you need to, to refill the Kool-Aid is just imagine this offense with 
Goodbye. Uh, with Ramir back, with Irvin back, with a with a Division One quarterback, with, <laughs> <laughs> with an offensive line that's completely, you know, I mean, they're going to have some graduates and stuff. We're going to add to the depth there already in the freshman class. We've got a couple four stars coming in, and then you throw in a couple. Tra- I mean, the transfer portal can give you eternal hope. But I do think that we already have people gaining experience and people that are coming back that, yeah, that's great. Are, are exciting to look forward to. I mean, it's you got a, like it's, Washington yeah. averaging 22 yards a catch. Somebody get him the ball. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think the fact that Coleman's getting as much play as he's getting and Lloyd's getting as much play, I think it's all, I think that's great. Um, Orkertur's back. Fedoni is back. Emma Johnson's back. back. Irvin is back. Doss is back. I mean, it's. I think I've seen this a bunch of times. We're a quarterback away from winning the Big Ten West this John season. It's back. IGC could come back. Of course, it's really a quarterback away from winning the Big Ten. Yep. But you got to get a guy. All right, let's wrap this thing up. What's your score prediction for Wisconsin? Uh, three to two would be my ideal. But I, I no, I think I I I think that we can win. I'm going to reverse the, the the script from Maryland, 13-10 Nebraska. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think 10-7 Nebraska wins. 10-7. <laughs> one touchdown, one, one touchdown, one field goal. Sweet. What a, what a finish. <laughs> All right, everybody, if you're still listening, an hour that's and a half minutes, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Huskies podcast. <laughs> A Herd at Sports Network production.